0: We all get bogged down with the mundane tasks of life, especially this time of year. But is it a time you take a break from your normal, boring routine? Don't just sit on the sidelines and watch life go by. Get in the game with the bold tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. You can be having a blast anywhere. Having a blast at work, having a blast in traffic, having a blast while you file your taxes. No, really, we mean it when we say anywhere. With Baja Blast now in stores everywhere, you can be having a blast whenever and wherever you are, all year long. So what are you waiting for? Pick up an ice-cold Baja Blast today at a store near you. And for a limited time, with every purchase of Baja Blast in stores and at participating Taco Bell locations, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. This swag is available for a limited time only, so don't wait. Grab a Baja Blast and start having a blast right away. No purchase necessary, open to U.S. residents 18 or older, subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com. Ends June 15, 2024. Void where prohibited. Hi guys, I'm Emma and I'm Isabel and welcome to another episode of comments by Bravo. Hey is
1: I am. How's it going over there? It's great. I just feel like this is such a fun week.
0: It is a fun week. And right before Isabel and I started recording, we were talking about Jersey coming back. And so we decided to make a little bulleted list just so we can all get on the same page about the next few months of Bravo. So New Jersey premieres February 1st, which is next Tuesday. Then we know the Salt Lake City reunion was already filmed and season three is currently filming. The Miami reunion was already filmed and we just today actually started to get some more of their looks and behind the scenes content. Summer House next week's episode is when we see Craig and Paige in person. Atlanta is currently filming and as we know, Sheree is coming back. That's set to premiere sometime in the spring. We're going to get the ex-housewives at Dorinda's Bluestone Manor very soon. We don't have an exact timeline of that. And then also, not necessarily directly Bravo related, but Teddy and Cynthia were announced on Celebrity Big Brother, so a lot happening.
1: Yeah, I feel like everybody needs a little something to look forward to right now, and that made me so happy to think about all the content that we're gonna get. Like think about how we felt just watching Girls Trip, and now watching Miami. By the way, those Miami looks that that to me speaks for itself. Like those looks resemble how good the show is and how good these women are because they looked. Like a 10 out of 10.
0: I saw a TikTok that was just talking about how much they loved all the looks. And they were like, you know, didn't love Larsa's or Adriana's. But honestly, if you put them in the Salt Lake City cast for this year's reunion, they probably would have been the best dressed. And I think I agree with that statement. A hundred percent. I agree. The other thing I wanted to say is not that I've ever once watched big brother or celebrity big brother in my life. So I can't really speak to this too intelligently, but I just feel like those types of shows you want kind of dramatic personalities, which is why it makes sense that Shanna Moakler and Lamar are both on, especially at the same time. So I feel that slightly confused as to the choice of Teddy and Cynthia, like good for them. I don't watch big brother. I have no, <laughs> no skin in the game, but it does feel like a slightly interesting choice.
1: I mean, I'm going to level with you guys because I feel like we're all friends here. <laughs> like, these are probably the two last housewives I would pick if I had a list of every housewife ever to be on this show. I could be wrong. And I'm excited to hear what everyone else has to say. I will not be watching, but I'm curious what will go down. Honestly, I'm more curious about Lamar. I got to be
0: honest. Well, Julie and I, the last like three minutes of the Kardashian episode, we're talking about it because it just came out right before we started recording. <laughs> as you know, because you send it to us in the group (laughs) (laughs) chat. Yeah. And we were saying that it'll be really interesting to watch Lamar and Shanna because we'll be curious to know if she thinks that he's almost going to be on her team of like anti-Kardashians, but we know that that's not really where he stands. So that's going to be a a unique dynamic.
1: I think there's going to be a lot of Kardashian talk from both of them. They know that's what everybody wants to hear. I mean, he already in his little intro trailer is saying, I was married to Chloe. We are on the show together. He is not afraid to talk about it. So I think that will be so, so interesting. And I don't think Teddy and Cynthia have something like that to add.
0: No, but you know what? As we always say, let us be wrong.
1: I hope we're wrong. Yeah. And I hope that they get in some Housewives things. I think Teddy could maybe stir some stuff.
0: It's so funny because I feel like the most overwhelming Bravo opinion is that so many people just fundamentally dislike Teddy or just want nothing to do with her. And I feel like you and I are overwhelmingly neutral. Like we don't love her, but we also definitely don't hate her. Like she's just so there for us. And I I feel like sometimes we're confused as to why people genuinely despise her.
1: Yeah. I very much, like, you know, when you're taking a survey of something and it's strongly dislike strongly like, or just like no opinion. I feel like I very much fall in the middle of no opinion. And I know just from listening and reading so much about it, how everyone else feels. And I, I think sometimes though, it's worse to have no opinion than to dislike somebody. So I don't know. I don't know what that says about her, but that's how I feel.
0: You and I are like grossly apathetic to her, I I would say. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, But also that's as a housewife, because I do think that as a like person and just a woman, she seems just like a nice good friend. Like if she was just Kyle Richards' friend in real life and they've become very close and I do trust Kyle so much, I would be like, Yeah, she seems cute. I just don't think she was a good housewife.
0: Right. You know, it just pops into my mind. You know, when you're on Facebook and it's like so-and-so is Mark safe from ex-hurricane or whatever natural disaster. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like when you said that about it, I just to me pops into my mind of like, Ellen Isabel were marked grossly apathetic to Teddy Mellencamp. <laughs> I don't know why.
1: Okay, I'm hundred percent photoshopping that and making that a slide to promote this podcast, just so you know. <laughs> okay, you wanna
0: start out with Summerhouse? Of course I want to start out with Summer House. What kind of question is that? Amazing. Okay, so we start out with the car ride with Lindsay, Danielle, Maya, Carl, and Kyle. And even though at this current moment in time, I could not be less of a fan of Kyle's, I have to say I agree with what he said. That was a great crew.
1: It was a great crew, and I think that's why production forces these little group outings where they can break off into smaller groups because being all together all the time, even though it's not like last summer where they're there 24-7 quarantined together and they are going back and forth on the weekends like the old days, we need these little moments where they all can get to know each other a little more intimately or have conversations that they maybe wouldn't if they were in the larger group. I mean, it's overwhelming. It's a lot to all be together all the time and I don't think we would get the same dynamic. So I'm so
0: happy when they do things like this. I have a more general question now that you mentioned that. When I first started watching this season, I had forgotten briefly that they weren't doing a thing where everybody was in the house because I got so used to it last summer, even though clearly that wasn't the norm. And my question to you slash you guys is, what do you think is a better show model? Like, do you think just the weekends being filmed is the move? Or do you think the model where they were stuck in the house is better?
1: I don't know. I think it's all hard too because COVID played a factor. So it's like, they're not, are they locked in the house and they can go out in the Hamptons? Like it's hard to say. I do think though now jumping back from when they lived in the house full-time to these back and forth weekends, I really felt it when Amanda was saying, to Kyle, when they were fighting, like, I'm not talking about this now. We'll talk about it when we get back to the city. Like, a lot goes down the week that they're not together. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, in their normal lives, and they can text and they can call each other, like, and we don't get to see that part. So, I don't like it in that aspect because I think we got spoiled when they were living like a big brother house where it was just all day all night cameras on and anything could go and also maybe they got a little more sick of each other which makes more drama but I don't I, I, don't know which I prefer the reason that it started like this and the reason the model is like this is because this is a realistic depiction of what it's like to have a summer share house with your friends when you live in the city and you work in your office all week and then go out to the Hamptons but that's just not the reality anymore
0: yeah. I think honestly, even if them all living together was COVID aside, like even if they could still go out and party, I still think I would prefer this model. And I think it's because they bring it more on the weekends when they know that it's only limited to two or three days.
1: I agree with that too. It was like last season, it could be a Tuesday night and they were like, okay, time to get drunk again. Wednesday. Okay, I guess we have to get drunk. Like we have to make magic happen every night of the week. Whereas here they're coming sort of fresh every weekend and they're like, we got to make the most of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. that And I honestly, that's the type of exhilarating energy that I like in these types of shows. I think it's two completely different experiences actually, now that I even think about it. It is. It's two different shows. And I think yeah. that the reason, listen, it's not as though Summer House was bad last season. It was excellent. But I think the real magic of the show came from the fact that we as a collective whole were kind of you know, living vicariously through their energy of getting their steam out from the work week, which is really fun. We all don't do it in that way, but to watch people clearly do that was exciting. And so that's why I think it worked. And that's why I like it. And that's, I think, my final stance. Okay. I'm glad we had that talk. (laughs) Do you feel, do you feel better now? I feel so much better. (laughs) Okay. First general thing I want to talk about is Paige and Andrea. Oh my God. I thought you'd never ask. You know, on winter house, Obviously, I thought he was handsome, but I wasn't into the whole thing. I thought it was very for show. I thought that I didn't love the way that I felt he was almost playing with her heart. And still, like I said last week, I am a Paige and Craig stan. I love that relationship. It is so the right thing. However, if there wasn't a Craig in the picture and I was just watching this, I think I would have enjoyed the way he was interacting with her. I felt that he was actually operating a little bit more from his heart and less from his ego. Wait, I was thinking
1: that too. I was like, who is this guy?
0: But I... I
1: agree with you. I was like, wow, this is not where we saw them the last time we saw them together. It was a completely different relationship, even when things were hot and heavy. And I think he had time to think about his feelings, to get more comfortable with them. And then on top of it, when he finds out that he has some competition and he's back in person with her, feeling like, wait, you kind of left me in the dust. He was really breaking his A game and he was being really cute. Going into this season, I was like, how could you even feel torn like Andrea or Craig. Like there's no competition here. Like it's Craig all day. Like when you're talking about boyfriend, like husband material, like it's Craig, obviously. It's obviously him. But then seeing this when she's like laying in bed, consoling him after he got punched in the face, I get
0: why she was left with kind of a difficult decision. You know, I thought it was sweet. And you know, the thing is, yes, obviously him seeing that he had competition and that she kind of wasn't as responsive, definitely lit a fire under his ass. But also I think on the flip side, you know, Paige is not someone that I ever think uh, like lacks self-respect. I think she has a lot of really beautiful confidence. But in Winterhouse, I do think that she was feeling kind of wronged by men and she was maybe having a slight bit of like a scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. And so her whole energy was so different here because she was reinvigorated. She was like, oh, yeah, this is who the fuck I am. I do deserve to have guys fighting over me. And that also just changed her energy naturally. Totally, yes. yeah. I really like Paige. i I really think she is one of the, better cast members that Bravo has probably ever put out. And I think that she has the potential to have a really long future in either fashion or commentating or whatever she chooses to do. I think that it's, she's going to be very successful and she already is.
1: Yeah. Did you see that Craig and Paige today went to like a Broadway show? I just love watching them now that they're so public on Instagram and stuff and it makes me so happy.
0: Yeah, no, I did see that. Next quick thing before we get into some of the more intense subject matters like Amanda and Kyle, I just got to say, I know that it's rough for the newbies, but this whole being super judgmental about everyone else's lifestyle is not going to bode well for Alex. Not a bad guy, but you can't think that everyone else are the weird ones for not eating two pounds of turkey for breakfast.
1: Yeah. I don't really have that many thoughts. I guess it's like a Teledy Mellencamp thing where I just don't really have
0: any feeling about him but didn't you kind of find that when different people come into the house, yeah, they vibe or they don't vibe for different reasons, but I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I can't remember a time where a new cast member has come into the house and they've been so judgmental on the lifestyle choices. Like I know last year there were fights between Hannah and Kyle because he felt like she wasn't cleaning up as much. There were a few things like that, but it felt as though he was just judgmental, like the way they lived and They've been doing the show for six seasons. This is kind of how it goes. It was like a bizarre bone to pick.
1: I usually feel like the new people coming in the house want to go overboard of really trying to have fun and fit in and like make an effort to get to know everyone. And it's usually the older castmates who maybe have a little resistance or kind of stick with who they already know or stay with what they're comfortable with. Not that they're not always open to them, but just that's usually the natural dynamic. And I just feel like they're all trying to get to know him and make conversation and he has just no interest in being there.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, with all due respect, why are you here?
1: Yeah. yeah, am um, <laughs> sir, You did sign up for this, no?
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> I came to the realization recently that I was just like desperately in need of a closet clean out because you know when you're getting ready and you just can't find anything, you have so many things that you don't even wear that you can't find the stuff that you do wear and it's just like a chaotic and unenjoyable process. That was me. I'm still, to be honest with you, in the process of cleaning out, but one of the biggest game changers for me in this process has been finding just like high quality essentials that I can mix and match with anything so that I can have less things, but the things that I have, I can wear with a lot. And I've told you guys about them before, but I think that Quince is one of the best at this in terms of just finding the high quality, affordable pieces. And they have a lot of really great sweaters. I love their Mongolian cashmere oversized boyfriend cardigans. I just find them to be so comfortable. I have them in a bunch of colors. They also have washable silk tops, which are amazing, like really easy, comfortable, high quality throw-ons that you can wear for so many different occasions. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So. The way that it works is by partnering directly with top factories. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes that savings on to us, which is kind of like best case scenario for all involved. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. So there are obviously so many different reasons that a person would want to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip, or maybe you just want to pick up a new skill or hobby, or maybe you're like me, and at one point you were almost fluent in Spanish, and then you kind of lost it and are trying to get it back. Whatever the reason, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really immerses you in the language that you want to learn, which again, for me was Spanish. And I was kind of relearning, I guess I could say, because I really do feel that when I was abroad there, I had it so much better. And my dad would always tell me, if you don't use it, you lose it. And I kind of lost it. So first of all, number one about Rosetta Stone, they have been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Second of all, it's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. It's no English translation. So you're really learning to speak, listen, and think in that language, which for me, that's when I always could feel it clicking when I noticed myself really thinking in the language. It's an intuitive process, so you're picking up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it really is designed for long-term retention. Also, speech recognition, so they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, kind of like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's convenient, there are desktop and app options with audio companion and ability to download lessons offline, and it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life, that's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, comments by celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com comments. That's a 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com comments today. Okay, so the conversation between Amanda and Paige when they're sitting on the couch, which honestly you can't even have that conversation without talking about the fact that Kyle so willingly left to the brewery. And I'm sorry, it's not like I think that this guy deserves to be punished for the entire summer that he should never drink again. Of course not. But the night after that type of an explosive fight, don't you want to solve things with your girlfriend for your fiance first before being so excited to make another plan. And then like, as I hear myself say that, I follow it up by saying, yes, but he doesn't have the awareness to know that she's not even fully okay, which is a whole issue in and of itself. Kyle just
1: never misses the opportunity to make the wrong choice,
0: ever. It's so frustrating. And I think it's even more frustrating as a viewer when you see Amanda being so in tune with it. Like she was really saying what everyone was thinking this episode. It wasn't like she was, in my opinion, being so delusional or anything. She was kind of really getting it. I have to say also watching
1: the show, knowing that they do get married really fucks with me because I think if we were watching this and their wedding was like coming up or something, we'd say, no way are they getting married. So watching it, knowing that they do get married and the pain that she's going through and how just on the rocks and walking on eggshells, like their relationship is just thin ice, every single part of it. And when she's crying and Paige says to her, like it's yes it's scary to call off a wedding but it's less scary than you being miserable for your life or whatever she said i was like okay this is like legit like this is as if you or me or one of our friends who we're so close to was absolutely distraught about their relationship and is about to walk down the aisle like that is what we're seeing here and then with the knowledge of knowing that they do
0: i i don't know how to handle or process For Paige to say that, it clearly shows that there was a lot more happening behind the scenes because that was a really, I mean, to be clear, I think it was totally the right thing to say, but you don't just say that if this was the first instance of this. And I know clearly from what Amanda was saying, this stuff does happen a lot, but we haven't been so privy to it recently, obviously, because they weren't filming since last summer. So to me, Paige saying that was actually even more representative of what's going on than Amanda's general upset. Right, like I I think I made this point last week but I just agree with myself again
1: that <laughs> Paige Paige is her one of her best friends and is a bridesmaid in her wedding. She knows more than we do, of course. And for her to make a statement like that, she needs to be sure that she's giving good advice. And Paige is very uh, like emotionally mature and self-aware and really like a trustworthy narrator, we like to say. So for her to
0: be giving that advice and saying things like that, I'm like, oh yeah, this is as bad as we think it is. I thought a really impactful line was when Paige asked her if there's any part of her that doesn't want to do this. And she responds, no, but there's a part of me that's like, fuck, what if I can't? That was so intense, you know? The whole
1: thing is really intense. It's borderline when we feel like maybe I shouldn't be here because this is not just boyfriend-girlfriend drama, like you cheated on me or I kissed two boys. Like this is literally, you're about to get married and both Amanda and Kyle have been on Watch What Happens Live in the past week and a half, two weeks. And you can just tell how Andy feels about it and he knows that they're married too. So he has to come from a sensitive place, but he was not letting Kyle off. He was really grilling him and I think kind of was feeling the way we all were feeling. You have this amazing catch of a woman who is putting up with your shit and I know that even she tries to make it more like a relationship we need to work on both of us together but it really does fall on him and our just collective frustration of like
0: come on get it together I know and I thought that the next night when she basically said to him like you know that we're not all good right like there's clearly a problem here and he immediately goes to the gaslight oh yeah I have one night of fun and and it's all downhill from here you know what just call off the wedding to me my response is like be careful what you wish for because i don't think you understand how thin of ice you're operating on which clearly the counter response to that is couldn't have been that thin because she did go through with it but I feel like he's getting a little bit too comfortable and maybe that's because she's letting him. But to me, it's like, regardless of how she's acting, don't you want to be better for this person that you apparently love so much? It's something's off. I don't know. It's it's hard because I don't know if you ever feel like this when we're recording and it's like a very bizarre spot to be in, but I have such strong opinions on this. Like truly out of most things we're talking about right now across all shows, I probably have some of the strongest opinions on this and I know that it's our job, but then there's a part of me that's like, what the fuck? Like these are two people that are in a relationship that you basically know nothing about. Like what is your opinion to matter? But then I'm like, it's our job. So I guess I do get to say how I feel. You know what I mean? Like I go back yeah. and in my head.
1: Especially like I was saying, it's something as real and raw as this. It's not just like women screaming at each other at the table where our opinions don't make such a difference, but they never make a difference, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, The whole thing is just sad. But in terms of Kyle also saying like, well, then just call off the wedding. The flip side of him not realizing like how easily she could is also how easily he just throws that around. Like it maybe isn't a big deal for him. Do you want her to call off the wedding? Would that be a relief to you? Like that is not something you just throw around as a a threat when you're Fighting with your fiance, you know, like that shouldn't just roll
0: off your tongue like that. Oh, yeah, it was a little bit too easy the way that that came to him. And I think to me, I always say this to you like, the thing that I look forward to the most in a marriage one day is just the idea of like complete stability. I want to be able to mirror for my children the environment that I had growing up. And I feel like what he provides to her is just so much instability because he's constantly just coming at her for her expectations, which are really pretty normal. Uh, Another thing on Andy
1: that he was saying was, he was asking Amanda, you said that you both have things you need to work on. Like, what do you need to work on? You know, like we know what Kyle needs to work on. And she was like, um, you know, I guess like my work and my career, my work ethic. And They were all just laughing. Like I do feel like she really tries her hardest to make it a we problem and not a you problem for Kyle because she doesn't want to place all the blame on him. I get that. It's a two-way street, of course. It really does a lot fall on him. Like I think if you were to sum up their problems, they are 99% caused by his actions. She's not perfect, but it was just funny to hear that out loud and also to see that in a way she does still really protect him by making it about both of them together and not just you are the problem.
0: Of course. And it really is admirable of her because it's so easy for her to not do that and to just kind of reiterate the narrative that the public already believes, which is that it's mostly on him. But you know, listen, it doesn't serve either of them if he looks bad in the public. I do think that she's trying to rehab that image a little bit, but I think what it comes down to is that like, Nobody's perfect. Obviously, she has things in her own life that she would like to improve, but I think that her, quote, flaws don't impact their relationship in the same way that his do.
1: Right. Did you think Kyle was also, again, thinking about things in terms of his relationship with Amanda when Maya was explaining even more at the brewery that day about her
0: fiance and her engagement that they called off after five years? I think that it's impossible for the thought to not go through his mind, yes. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, but I'll tell you one thing. I think differently than what would have been going through Amanda's mind if she was the one sitting at that brewery. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I kind of want to talk about Danielle and Robert for a second, or is that jumping too far ahead? I know we're not really in order, so it doesn't matter too much. No, we totally can, as long as we talk about Sierra and Carl. Well, Oh, my God. That's like my drama. No, by the hot. way. Hot. Hot that's another thing. Also, it's strange because we're watching this season and obviously we know that Lindsay and Carl are together right now. So there's two things happening. On one hand, you're watching every episode hyper-focused on seeing if there's any sort of sexual energy or tension that we should be picking up on between Lindsay and Carl, which I feel like I can factually say there hasn't been anything yet. But then at the same time, we're watching Carl and Sierra, which I feel like for the most part, all of us really sense the sexual tension and energy and really love what's going on and would love it to happen. But it's like, you know, that Lindsay and Carl are happy. You want them to be together, but also I'd be lying if I said, I don't want to watch Sierra and Carl have sex.
1: (laughs) I know. Well, that's almost what I feel about Paige and Andrea, especially after this week where I'm like, Oh, they're so cute together. I do want them to hook up. I want them to have so much fun. But then I'm also so fucking excited to see Craig come into town next week and see how their relationship flourishes. And I want them to be together. So it's so hard to be selfish and know what's going on in real life and also be watching the show. But I guess that's the fun of it.
0: Well, as a couple, I care more about Sierra and Carl than I do about Paige and Andrea. But at the same time, I care more about Paige and Craig than I do about Carl and Sierra or Carl and Lindsay, just in terms of couples.
1: Okay. Thank you for that ranking. Do you agree? (laughs) Yeah, I do agree. (laughs) I feel also in the least like gross way ever that Carl and Lindsay are very much as close as like sibling, like cousin, sibling, best friends, Mm -hmm. which is a really nice relationship to have because it's like they were such close friends before getting into a relationship. But I feel like in the show, we're still very much stuck in that point in time because that's how they were for so long. Like I, we have seen them in real life being a couple and it's fucking adorable and they're so hot together, but I still am very much in the show mindset of like, oh yeah, best friends.
0: Oh, that's what I'm saying. That's why I am dying for the scene or the moment where we can pinpoint, okay, something's happening here because right now it's been purely platonic. Even last week when they were having a conversation about the miscarriage, that was clearly a very intimate moment, but there was no ounce in my opinion of like, romantic energy, maybe a little bit on Lindsay's part. Cause I think she always secretly had something for Carl, but I did not feel like he was giving that off at all. Not listen. He wasn't going to do it in that scene, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Danielle and Robert love them so much. It's shitty because I do think they're so in love, but what they're having is like such a real problem that isn't so easily fixable because it's just what comes with his career.
1: I know, but I just don't even think it's a problem because when you look at everyone else's like relationship issues going on, this just feels like a normal, oh, we love each other so much and we're not spending enough time together. Like they'll figure it out. They're
0: fine. But I also think what was happening is like in this particular episode, on one hand, Danielle was so happy and proud that it was her man that was putting together this like incredible affair. But at the same time, selfishly, she wanted alone time with him, which clearly was something that she was lacking in New York. Yeah, I think this weekend was a representation of their life and the problem that
1: she's having. I want you to do what you're passionate about. I want you to be the one cooking for the whole squad and me going around bragging, saying, Robert's making this meal, but I also want you for myself. And I also want you to like be around and be able to hang out with me. It's exactly what's going on mimicking their lives together in New York. So it was just interesting, but I'm so glad that they're still together. She seems so happy and... She just like glows
0: when she talks about him, which is so cute. It's cute and it's rare. And also, going back to Sierra and Carl for a second. Yeah, please do. It's honestly all I want to talk about. Like, when they were at that pool party and he was saying to her, I don't think we've ever really had that much one on one time, that really hit for me because it's true. Like, for some reason in the back of my mind, I thought for a second that he was on Winterhouse, which he obviously wasn't. And then when I go back to last summer, she was still really in it with Luke. You know, there was a lot of that happening. So, he's totally right. We haven't seen them potentially connect. Like we're at the beginning stages of what could be something really fun. Clearly we know it doesn't actually last, but oh my God, would I love nothing more than to see like the night camera of them go into one of their rooms and just like have this really intense night together. And then Austin shows up eventually. Let me tell you one thing. As much as we were praising Austin on Winter House and total change of pace from Southern Charm being away from Madison... Nothing makes Austin look worse than a sober Carl.
1: <laughs> Nothing. Right? Oh
0: my God, we forgot about that. And I don't
1: know when it's premiering at all, but we're getting Southern charm back.
0: Wait, that is the meme though. You versus the guy she tells you not to worry about, like Austin and Carl. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we have to make that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, stick it to the man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What else from this episode? It was just, I mean...
1: When that girl fucking slaps Andrea across the face. It's just like this is the shit. Like this is was a legit party some of my friends were at actually.
0: I know, isn't it so funny that like we're looking, and we know so many people in the yeah, It's like a <laughs> real like Hampton's
1: party and it's so yeah. fun. And I just I love it. It's the best escape. And I
0: know you say it every week, but it's true. It just makes me so happy. The last thing that I want to say is Andrea brought up this point, which I hadn't even considered. Interesting for him to say that he wishes Craig would have said something. Like I don't know enough about their relationship to know whether or not that was warranted, but I hadn't even considered that he would have maybe had that thought.
1: I loved drunk Andrea because he was being so just unguarded and you could tell how into Paige he was. He almost felt like a little like high school boy saying like I really like you and I was just upset and all these things in her ear. And she's like, okay, like, yeah, you're you're definitely drunk. But I agree with you. I'd never, ever thought about that as a thing. I don't know how true it is. I think it probably played a part in it, but it just was like the cherry on top of it already stinging that not only did she sort of fizzle things out with him, but she also went with Craig, who he was in the house with, and they spent all this time together.
0: Yeah, it's just, listen, it's a shitty situation to be on, even though he, I think so far at least, was super respectful in the way he was handling it. Let me tell you one thing. If there is one thing I know, Andrea is going to be fine. Exactly. I am not even the slightest bit concerned. No. Also, who knew he was (laughs) 6'4"? It's the Ben Affleck effect. It's like, oh, yeah, you think the person's handsome, then you find out they're 6'4", and it's like, oh, my God. So we need to sleep together.
1: I like weirdly thought he was
0: kind of short and then Paige is like, yeah, the 6'4 Italian guy. I'm like, who's the 6'4 Italian guy? I am like a dog when they like smell any sort of food when I hear (laughs) 6'4. My fucking ears perk up like you've never seen. (laughs) You're literally... Your radar goes off. Yeah, exactly. You start beeping. (laughs) Okay. Let us go to Salt Lake City. I don't know if I said this in the beginning, but we are not going to do Miami this week because... Where I am, I cannot watch it. And the plug-in on my computer was not working. But Isabel watched it, and she was had the phone set up, ready re- to record the episode to have me watch it. And she <laughs> said that it was relatively anticlimactic and that we probably wouldn't have discussed it too much anyway.
1: That's true love, by the way, is recording on your phone a full episode of Real House of Miami so that you don't miss it. But what I said to Emma was, every show and every season has to have a couple filler episodes. It's just how it goes. And I would consider this week in Miami a filler episode. With that being said, still entertaining. I still loved every second of it. And in any other franchise, we would say, wow, this was like one of the most fun episodes ever. Miami just happens to be elite. But I smiled the whole time watching it.
0: I just don't think there's that much for us to discuss. But just to be clear, we were fully planning on doing this. Like, this is not for a lack of not finding a better reason. Isabel had her phone and then she texted me and she was like, I genuinely don't think we would have discussed this too much anyway. So, No, that was there's,
1: th- there's not that much to say, but next week I think we'll be really good.
0: Yes. Okay. Let us go to Salt Lake City. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Okay, so imagine these softest sheets you've ever felt, and now imagine them getting even softer with every wash. Told you guys about this company before, but I'm going to tell you again, and I'm honestly not going to stop telling you because they are the best sheets on the market. In a recent customer survey, 96% said that Bolin brand sheets get softer with every wash. Which I didn't take that survey, but if I did, I would have been in the 96% because I am telling you, it's like you've tried them at first and you can't believe that they could get softer, and then they just continually do. A lot of things I like about this company. First of all, they're made with the rarest 100% organic cotton and are completely free from toxins. Second of all, they're buttery soft, but also breathable. So they kind of work in any season. They have over 11,000 reviews, 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Their signature sheets come in 13 versatile colors in all sizes. So from twin up to California King, I have them in the color stone. I have the color mineral. I have waffle blanket. Like I got a lot of things from this company and. Everything is just quality. I so badly need you to try them so that you can understand what I mean. I'm telling you, I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and everyone I know is hooked. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolan Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code is CBC. Exclusions apply, Seaside for details. Okay, so on last week's episode, it was right after everything came out about Jenny Wynn. And we not only did not get a response from Bravo at the time, but also none of her castmates were able to say anything. So since then, Bravo has responded, her castmates have responded, and also she did an Instagram Live. So a totally new set of information we're working with from last week. Yeah, a lot, lot happened this week. So Bravo's statement read, Bravo has ceased filming with Jenny Wynn and she will no longer be a cast member of Real Houses of Salt Lake City. We recognize we failed to take appropriate action once her offensive social media posts were brought to our attention. Moving forward, we will work to improve our processes to ensure we make better informed and more thoughtful casting decisions. How do you feel about that?
1: I feel like it was the best response they could give. And also I think it was necessary for them to include the casting decision aspect of it because this is just a small piece of a much bigger issue. I think everybody feels in terms of like vetting women and, you know, looking through their social media and how you're casting them and making sure you're hiring good people. You know, I feel a lot of different ways about this because I do think you need a lot of different women with a lot of different beliefs, but there's also a point where it's like you, they can't be racist and
0: awful people. No, but I mean, that's exactly it. There's a big difference between political beliefs and then genuinely being offensive. Like just because I don't agree with someone's politics, I don't necessarily think they're a bad person or think that they can't be on reality television. But when you all of a sudden start to become wildly offensive and what you're saying is just like genuinely mean and wrong, that's a totally different set of facts.
1: Yeah, I think people just felt like if we as just internet people sleuths can find these kinds of posts that are so offensive. And like, why is that not part of the process when you're hiring somebody? And, you know, maybe you know that this will come out later or it's so freely out on the internet that these are her beliefs or these are things that she's saying and then becoming an influential person. I don't know. I really don't know, but I'm glad that they addressed the hiring
0: process in looped in with this statement. So she goes on live on Wednesday and she basically says that at the time that these posts went up, which was in 2020, which was about a year before they started filming the show that she had a team that was doing her social media for her, but that she understands that since they were on her account, she does take full responsibility. So it was kind of like a Jen Shaw cop-out similar to the Brooks thing.
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, but 10 times worse and also making zero sense because I don't know why she would have a social media team when she was not a public figure or even, I don't even think, hired on cast Housewives yet. So that felt pretty inauthentic to me. And also, what social media team is sharing posts like that? I'm sorry. If anyone is hiring a social media team that's willing to post things that are that polarizing and have such opinionated Undertones, you got to find a new team because I've worked on social media teams and I'm afraid to post something with a different emoji. So I don't think people would just go on and post things, repost things like that that are so strongly
0: opinionated. I mean, I feel like in general, we try to be not super critical on apologies because once the damage has been done, first of all, what can they say? And second of all, it's not ours to accept or deny. But I got to tell you, this was as shitty as apologies could possibly go, in my opinion. I mean, the whole thing was wildly performative for more reasons than one. And it just lacked authenticity. And also, if you're blaming it on a social media team, which I personally believe didn't exist, as you said, and you're also taking full accountability, then just don't mention the social media team. If the end result is you taking accountability, what does it matter who posted it? You know, that it was just a very clear example of somebody kind of missing the mark and missing the point, And... I guess that's okay if you're not going to be a figure anymore. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just, in my opinion, so the right decision for her to no longer be a cast member. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. Let us get into this episode. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, Oh my God. Another
1: week where the episode ends and my head is literally spitting. What the
0: fuck just happened? Uh,
1: I feel like I was put through like uh, the washing
0: machine after watching this. When Lisa and Meredith woke up in bed together (laughs) next to Whitney and Jen, I was like, I know for sure I'm in the Twilight Zone. No, I am fucking hallucinating. Yeah. I mean, okay. So we start out with the continuation of the dinner where Meredith and Jen are just continually screaming at each other. And I want to get this out of the way because this fight kind of carries its way on for a little bit. Let us just get our stances out of the way. I completely believe Meredith that she had 0.0% to do with anything regarding the FBI or this case about Jen. I'm not saying she didn't, you know, hire the private investigator with the goal of finding out that it was Jen. I'm not saying that she hasn't dug up other things on Jen, but in terms of her having any involvement, I think it was zero. Like they keep saying like, oh, you called the FBI. This isn't like you're calling your local
1: police enforcement. You don't just pick up the phone and dial 911 and report someone to the FBI. Right. Am I wrong about that? I just, I don't think it's like a common report, like you just pick up, oh, CIA, I have my friend is defrauding people. No. Oh, we're going to come to Utah and pick her up while she's like, hunt her down while she's on a cash trip for real houses of Salt Lake City. Absolutely not. That's not how it goes. And Meredith kind of poking fun at how much power they think that she has is, says everything that you need to know. I think she probably had a lot of suspicions about Jen and knows that she does some shady shit, including these text messages that they got that, Meredith is 90% sure are her based on her investigator's work. But no, I agree. Like that whole thing is honestly laughable to me.
0: It is laughable, especially because their main form of evidence is the fact that she didn't come on the bus either time, which to me, it's like, maybe she gets carsick. She didn't want to be stuck on the bus with them. I was like, guys, my friend Emma
1: would not come on the bus with us. And I don't think that means that she called this CIA (laughs) on me. (laughs) Like you just like aren't a bus riding girl. Like you would probably just be like, I'll meet you guys there, and that's okay. Right, we all have our different forms of
0: transportation that we prefer.
1: Right, like Julie and I love riding the ferry. Some of our friends don't, so they say, you know what? We'll meet you in Brooklyn, and that's fine. Like come to dinner. It doesn't mean that they called the FBI on me.
0: From now on, no, can I tell you what a hilarious phenomenon that would be? That now, anytime any Bravo Watchers friends don't take the form of transportation everyone else is taking, they think that they're in on it with like the police. Like, it's such a funny concept.
1: Oh my god, if you guys ever like, Yeah, I'm gonna take a different flight and I'll meet you in Florida, I'm gonna know that you're up to no good. <laughs> it's like, John, John, John. Dun, 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 <laughs> Dun, she must be on line two with Homeland Security.
0: <laughs> no. Okay, so uh, so many different things happening. First of all, Ugh. this, yes. Um, I'm
1: exhausted looking at the list of things we have to talk about because Meredith was really up and down throughout this whole episode. And again, especially during this dinner, I'm having such a hard time keeping track of who's mad at who, who's siding with who, who
0: said what about who. And then it, it just really spiraled out of control. It really did. And to be clear, I don't think Meredith necessarily handled everything the best, but I would rather her do this than completely disengage. Like, if this is her version of engaging, I'm here for it. I think that it was really fun. I thought it was slightly erratic and at times maybe a little bit misdirected, but I did think that it was good television.
1: I think she's under a lot of stress and pressure. And then the reminder that she just had lost her father put things in perspective too and i f- think she feels like she's being attacked from all sides in this group and there's no really sort of comforting like safe group or person that she has there
0: yeah it is kind of interesting to watch how meredith became the center of all of this because she was uh, like kind of the quote safest one you know she was not really in the line of fire and all of a sudden i mean she is really in it and you're you're right from every single angle which It makes sense how everybody kind of got there. I get it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand why she feels so under attack.
1: Yeah. And it's a lot. It's a lot to handle.
0: It was interesting when Whitney says in her confessional, I do think I know what Meredith is talking about. Meredith thinks that Jen may have hooked up with the man that Meredith was seeing when she was separated from Seth. I've asked Meredith about this before, but of course I didn't get a clear answer because Meredith is the queen of skimming over the questions she doesn't want to answer. And that's obviously when they flash back to the table in veil. when Whitney says that to Meredith and her response is, I do know that she's done some very questionable things to try and dig dirt on every single one of us, which I know Whitney and Meredith aren't the closest friends. Meredith doesn't owe it to her, but I do find that to be slightly annoying as just a personality trait. Like I fucking love Meredith, but I dislike the frequency with which she skims over undesirable questions. Oh, you mean when she speaks like Kathy Hilton
1: in code? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that is her specialty. I think she likes feeling like she knows more than everyone, which everybody does, but she never wants to reveal everything that she knows and also I think doesn't want it to be held against her because look what happens. When she says things or reveals things, it always comes back to bite her in the ass. So she maybe feels like, you know what? My knowledge is power and I don't need to share with everybody. And that gives her a little bit of a leg up it doesn't always work out, but it, it is a very frustrating, I imagine for Whitney, but also for us as viewers. Cause I sometimes feel like just spit it out. Like I want to know, tell me.
0: Yeah. yeah, no, I know it's, it's partially liking knowing more and partially using it as ammunition, which mm-hmm. I can't say I don't understand either, but as a viewer, it's frustrating, even though I still think she's probably the most level-headed one out of all of them with the exception of Heather. Um, <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But wait, I have to get something out because it's eating at me and we haven't spoken about it yet. Okay. I really liked Lisa this episode. Like, yes. I, I don't know. I mean, everybody is coming for her and I, I didn't really get it. I, I actually found that she was being as good of a friend in both situations as she could have been. What do you, like, where do you stand? I think she was being...
1: Great. I think she, I, I don't think she wants to be involved in any of it. And she does have the tendency to want to get ahead of the story and make sure that her name is clear and her hands are clean with everything. But I do think that she put just being a good person and a good friend above anything else this episode and this whole situation during the trip, which really paid off well. I, her dynamic also with Whitney, I was really loving because I do feel like. Yeah, Whitney was getting really carried away with everything, but she also usually is really level-headed and somewhat of a trustworthy narrator. So to see the two of them together getting along, I was really happy about. I, I don't know. I I just, the contrast too of her and Meredith finally talking about this issue that they have and these underlying feelings and her just being genuinely hurt and upset and wanting to make things better and Meredith not being
0: responsive, I felt her hurt. That's what it was. I felt her hurt too. And by the way, it's not that I don't understand like why Meredith is pissed, but I was really tuned into the difference between the way Jen and Meredith are handling it. And if you notice, Meredith is upset with Lisa because she feels that she was a friend to Jen while Jen was being shitty to Meredith. And Meredith's stance is basically, how could you be my friend when you're going to be friends with someone that is harming me? Whereas Jen's stance on it, in addition to feeling that way, it's more so to Lisa like, Meredith hasn't been there for you and she wants to highlight how Meredith has been a shitty friend to Lisa and that's more her strategy. So they both disagree with the individual friendships, but their reason for feeling that way and their reason for presenting it to Lisa is different.
1: Right. It's I just felt that Lisa saw, okay, this is it. This is the moment that Meredith and I are finally going to confront this underlying tension that's been going on for all these months And it was not the way that she had pictured this conversation going down. I don't think it was the right moment necessarily because Meredith was completely overwhelmed and upset, but it was the moment that it had to happen because it just was overflowing. And I just felt Lisa, like I just felt so bad for Lisa. Like here we are. I want to be her friend. I want to be there for her. I feel so bad. I don't want us to be fighting or feuding and Meredith was just so not interested in having like a calm civilized loving conversation it could have been just because of the way things were in that moment like i said and sort of the atmosphere
0: but i don't know i just felt bad for lisa i can't help it well i mean listen that night obviously things get a little strange when all of a sudden jen and meredith kind of pseudo make up because Meredith insists that she does have compassion for her, and she kind of just assures her that she wasn't the one who called the feds. Which the whole thing is bizarre, but I guess I appreciated that one moment. And honestly, by the way, I loved that moment.
1: I thought I was like, "This is what we were waiting for." Like you guys like each other a lot, just like kiss and make up. It's not that deep. I know you think it's deep, but they both really do. Like at the end of the day, they are just women who have at one time cared about each other. She's not out for blood.
0: I, I mean, to me, honestly, it made me sad for Jen, like just yeah. in general, not, not that Meredith is doing anything wrong to her. Like just as a person, like it's not a, it's not the happiest visual to see somebody hysterically crying in someone else's doorway, just because she wants confirmation that this former friend didn't call the FBI. Like that's a low place in your life to be. right in. And so, ruin her children's lives. potentially. Right. Like the whole thing was just, fucked up. Listen, like I said, the allegations are true. That is terrible. But I'm just saying in this moment, it wasn't a great spot for her to be in. I mean, the shit really hits the fan the next morning when we don't see it. But apparently in the middle of the night, Lisa tells Meredith that there was questions as to the validity of her father's memorial. And that's when you see the next morning, Meredith just absolutely raging. And like, do I think the way she expressed this whole thing was the best? No. But I also don't know what Lisa said and how it triggered her. But also I got to tell you that is Really understandable. Like, it's one thing, fuck around with what you think about me, even fuck around with thinking I called the FBI. But the second you tell me that one of the hardest days of my life didn't actually happen and I was using that as a distraction for some like criminal behavior I was involved in, then we're going to have an issue.
1: Yeah, I don't know what happened here because I don't know if Lisa was just trying to make the other women look bad and make herself look better, which is one of her sort of moves that she is known for doing. And we've seen her do it in the past where like giving Meredith information like this makes everyone else look like the bad guy. And it makes her look like, thank you for telling me, you know, you were looking out for me and whatever. But I also don't feel like Lisa necessarily said it in that way. I think she probably presented it in like they were speculating about all these reasons why you didn't go on the bus and Meredith will see exactly what they said at the reunion or when she watches the show, which was
0: exactly what they did say. It's so hard when this happens and we didn't see the conversation because we're going in blind. I know. But also
1: for next week's episode in the preview, I saw Lisa and Heather sitting down and they're talking about it and they're comparing back to square one, what Meredith told them about her father's memorial and when it was and where it was and her, sort of her plan. So we somehow end up back at this questioning about the memorial.
0: I know. And I am telling you not to skip so much ahead, it gets dark. Like everything we had been talking about with Lisa and Meredith and the show potentially causing irreversible damage in their relationship happens next week. You do not come back from two things that I saw just in the preview from the speculation with Heather, regardless of what happens. I think that even Meredith seeing her have that conversation is a deal breaker. And second of all, the line in the bathroom and she says she's a whore, she's fucked half of New York. I mean, jaw dropper, jaw dropper, like chills up my entire body, more chills than the first time she said, Jennifer Shaw.
1: I, okay. Yes. I think another reason that Meredith was so upset in the first place is just the mere mention of her father. Like, it's almost like if you, whatever you were saying about him, doesn't matter the context, she was going to explode and be so upset that anyone was even mentioning anything about her family and bringing it up, which I completely understand. Like, that is so understandable. Then the shit with Lisa, her saying, like, I fucking hate her, she's a whore, she's fucked half of New York. I mean, that isn't, An insane hot mic moment. And the reason that I understand why it's so explosive is because Meredith doesn't know that she said it and doesn't hear her say it. Nobody heard her say it until the show comes out. So that is what everyone was saying that the women got to see a couple of days or the day of the reunion. And that's when Meredith and all of them are hearing it for the first time.
0: Oh, my God. But I mean... Okay. The thing is on this episode, like, yes, we saw that because we saw it in the preview when Lisa asks Meredith, if she has hostility towards her and Meredith's response is yes, because I feel like you've been hostile towards me and it's making me angry. I'll be honest. And Meredith says to her that she feels like she's had a growing hostility towards her since the end of last summer. And then you see Lisa in her confessional be like, what the fuck? I have basically been your punching bag for the entire season. And I have to say, I I know historically I'm on Meredith's side, and it's not that I'm switching to Team Lisa, but it's not that Lisa doesn't have a point. I mean, I don't necessarily think that Meredith has handled the situation the best with Lisa. Do you think that I'm wrong?
1: No, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. They roll it back to what we've seen just on camera of Meredith sort of flipping out on Lisa, whether it has anything to do with her or not. And Lisa, regardless of her bullshit, always listens and consoles her and tries to make things better
0: for her because she's her friend and that's what she feels like she has to do. I mean, I think the bottom line when it comes down to it is that Lisa just cares more about having Meredith as a friend than Meredith cares about having Lisa, which isn't, by the way, that's not a criticism on Meredith. It's more so just a fact. Like, I don't know what their friend group is outside of the show. Clearly these are not their most core group of friends, but I would have to imagine that let's say in Meredith's top five circle, Lisa maybe isn't in that. Whereas for Lisa, Meredith probably is. And that's why she's holding on so tightly. You know, I I don't know. It's it's very hard for us when one, we didn't see some of the conversations. And second of all, we don't actually know the inner workings of their non-filming friend groups.
1: I feel like that's not new information though. I feel like ever since the beginning when we were watching their dynamic, we always felt like Lisa cared so much about what Meredith thought. And that was like her number one priority. Whereas, yeah, Meredith really valued her friendship with Lisa, but it wasn't the end-all be-all was what does Lisa Barlow think or saying about me or am I in good standing with her?
0: Right, right.
1: Can we also just touch, I feel like we really skimmed over the confirmation of what we were sort of speculating last week about Meredith and Jen maybe
0: hooking up with the same man oh I mean what the fuck I can't even remember now if that flashback they did of Whitney aired the first time but when Whitney says it here and we go back to when they're sitting at the table in Vail Meredith's response is I know that Jen went to a lot of lengths to dig up dirt on all of us which makes me think Are they saying that Jen hooking up with the same guy that Meredith was apparently hooking up with was a tactic to try to get information? Either get information
1: or just make her mad, but let me tell you, I wouldn't put it past her.
0: I mean, that is some shit because by the way, and I think we had this realization last week, like, yes, obviously it's amazing drama, holy shit, but then once you the part two hits you like a ton of bricks of holy shit, what does that mean for her and Coach Shaw? Right, like she is fully married. Meredith,
1: uh, like, it's not a cheating situation. Her and Seth were on a break. They were very open about seeing and dating other people and what they were doing to figure out their relationship. Obviously, totally fine. So it's not, it has nothing to do with that, but like, what?
0: I don't know. I mean, that was some shit. And and I think that it will come to light. I hope that, and Jen has been like this in general, but I hope that everything she has going on is going to really give her the mindset of like, you know what? Fuck it. What do I have to lose now? Let me air it all. And maybe she'll say things that she was potentially holding in.
1: I, this might be like a little harsh, but I don't care. I really can't believe her and Coach are still together at this point. I thought even after last season, that was before anything even hit the fan. Yeah. that, I mean, that they. I thought that they'd be over by this season
0: you I, I don't know i completely feel the same way i just don't know legally like what's the right move for him you know right but i felt like even before any of this
1: legal stuff like think about her behavior at his birthday party last year and the way that they were you know when she was having sort of the realization about her resentment towards him about not being at her father's funeral like all of that going down i already felt like oh my god you know what this is just not the right thing for either of them like i couldn't believe how long they were lasting even then. So then now, I'm not saying he should get up and leave the minute that she's arrested. Of course, you know, she needs support and I think he wants to be there for her, her his children, but I still, I, it just amazes me every time. Maybe they have some sort of setup or open relationship or they are maybe living a more separate life than we know
0: or that they are trying to put on for the cameras. That is something I would hope she would admit. But in my case, I, don't, I can't believe they were married in the first place. Like, I just feel like the way she handles situations is exactly antithetical to the, what he's presented in terms of what he finds desirable.
1: I just need to know who this man is that Meredith and Jen have hooked up with. Because like we said, I don't think, I just want to know what kind of man it would be interested in both of them because they're so opposite. And also who both of them, because they're so opposite, would be interested in a
0: guy. The memes
1: about Harry Dubin
0: are so funny.
1: Oh my God. Literally hilarious.
0: You know, there was a little bit of that back and forth between Mary and Jenny and then Mary later apologized at dinner. But other than that, I mean, after the blowup, other than that, I would say this episode ended with one of the happiest times we've seen them all had together in across both seasons. I mean, I fully had whiplash. We went from the screaming, crying,
1: Meredith Meltdown, all absolutely hating each other to like the most fun and togetherness that I've seen probably since this show started. Like I was having the best time. And so were they, and it did seem very genuine. Totally. They were all very happy. Yeah. Like I was like, wait,
0: um what planet am I on? No, it's That Lisa Meredith shit in the bathroom, we're not ready for what's going to come from that reunion. I'm just telling you that right now. And when that comes out, we'll go back to this episode and we'll relive how we were feeling because I'm telling you, oh, not good. Not good and really cuts deep. Yeah. Wow. Mostly for Lisa, I feel like. I mean, in general, I think the whole thing is mostly for Lisa because I think she genuinely just cares more. Yeah. It's just sad. It is sad. I like them both. I don't care what anyone says. Lisa was not the villain in this episode. I know a lot of times she's made out to be and a lot of times. It's, you know, it's warranted. This was not one of those times. No, no,
1: but I was living for Whitney, Heather and Jen,
0: like trying to listen in on everybody's conversations and stuff. I saw that somebody had tweeted something like, you know, love Heather, but she doesn't really have a storyline this season. And she responded something to the effect of like, my I story- storied that. I storied it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My storyline is basically keeping up with the craziness that's going on. And honestly. And her, no, it said, my storyline is just trying to stay alive. Yeah, and you know something? She's not wrong. Like, you need a few characters that are simply reactionary and can kind of help you as the viewer sift through what's happening.
1: She is a reflection of us, like, just sitting there with your jaw on the floor. And hiding and saying, Oh my God, what is going on in the kitchen? Like this is absolutely crazy.
0: Yes, totally. I was I was Whitney with the pitcher and you were Heather being like, I don't want you to spill that in bed. <laughs> <laughs> Tag yourself. Tag yourself and Julie's Jen.
1: <laughs> yeah, of course.
0: <laughs> okay. Is there anything else you'd like to add other than Paris and Kathy and Watch What Happens doing the Mary Poppins bag being one of the highlights of my life. Oh my god. They were hysterical. like this whole week of Watch What
1: Happens Live was amazing. Alexia and Lisa were on and like it was amazing, obviously. They talk about everything, but my one biggest takeaway that I was happy to hear was that Alexia said Todd and Peter are getting along really well. She kind of she kind of said something about his arrest. She isn't really allowed to talk
0: about it, but that did make me happy, I have to say. Yeah. I mean, listen, after you watch that episode, I don't think you could ever wish for anything other than that because that was intense.
1: For her, you know, nothing about him, but just for her as a mom and a wife now,
0: I'm really happy. Oh, of course. No, let me be clear. I completely, uh, of course, believe the victim in that situation. That being said, I still hope that she has a successful relationship with her son. The two can exist at the same time. Yeah, Absolutely.
1: Also, I know you're not caught up, and I really want you to, but Paris in Love, Paris's Peacock Show, the finale's tonight, I'm using it as my reward when we're done, is absolutely amazing. And I can express to you how I f- understand Kathy Hilton as a woman 360 now. Because let me tell you, I love her more than anything on Beverly Hills, but that is like such a tiny sliver of her and her personality. And now I just really understand her as a mom and as just like a socialite rich woman. And also I have such a better grasp of how she got in these kind of family dynamic fights with Kyle and with Kim over the years and how there's been tension there. Because when you're watching them just laughing in Kyle's kitchen about the stale bread, you're like, how could Kathy Hilton ever... Be in a fight with Kyle about her show that she never watched. Let me tell you, I get it now. Kathy Hilton is not a bitch you want to mess with. I know.
0: I have to get caught up because I so it's want to be able to add
1: them. It's like amazing,
0: like beyond amazing. It's your dream show. It's my dream show. I've loved everything I watch. I'm not that far behind. But don't you also feel though that it makes you understand Paris as a person so much more, getting oh, to know Kathy more? Beyond, beyond. Yeah. Like I, I understand Paris in a completely
1: different way. I can't even think about how I thought about her even before watching this show and her documentary. Yeah. But Kathy specifically, because I feel like we've spoken about her so extensively on this podcast. I mean, I get her like, I'm not saying I agree with everything. And I do think I like Kathy Hilton's a hard ass in a great way. Like she just, I don't know. She's just, she's really, she's really something. And I think the way I always had pictured her in my head is way more of what I'm seeing on Parrish's show versus what I'm seeing on Housewife, which is amazing. I'm not saying she's like faking it either way, but it is it is funny just how different she is and how different
0: sides you get out of her based on what show and who she's around. Right, and also, I mean, just the amount of filming time. Like she wasn't oh, yeah. technically a full housewife. So it's her show, it's her kids, and also she has more time. So yeah, no, of course. I have to, once I get cut off, maybe we can do a segment if you want.
1: I would really love that because... I just could analyze it all day. I mean, on Howl's Life, she comes across as this like silly, very almost ditzy and like a funny, cute way, just always just floating along and just, I don't know, being funny. And then on Paris, she's really like type A, like a little bit of like a helicopter parent. Um, Just very stubborn, stuck in her ways, but also fun and just likes to be everywhere and like a very committed wife and... I don't know, it's just, and seeing her dynamic with all of her kids in different ways, and just how she like rolls up to the Hilton Hotel in Las Vegas and knows that this is her, this is like, she runs this shit. I mean, it's, it's beyond. It's inspiring. (laughs) It's honestly,
0: yeah, it's like motivating. I I know, no, I know. Oh, uh, okay. Well, that's actually good because now that it's the finale, I'll watch, I'll catch up on the whole thing this weekend and maybe we can do it either on Monday or next week for Bravo. Yeah, I, I would love that. And if anyone else watched, please let me
1: know your thoughts, especially in contrast to watching Housewives because I feel like, I don't know, I just, I love it because Housewives is our first taste of forever. Like she was not a public person up until this point. So now to get this overload of Kathy in so many ways, I'm just
0: loving it. Blessed. Blessed. Anything else you would like to add? I think that's it. I think that's it too. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this and we will see you next week.